You know, we haven't seen the iPhone 12 yet, but we're already, of course, starting to talk about the iPhone 13, or at least what we're going to see in 2021. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's so hard to know whether any of this is actually going to happen. But before we get to that, let's do a little housekeeping. So, Berto, what's that number? We always love to get this number out there so you guys can get in contact with us. That's right. We Any feedback, any questions, any comments, anything you want us to know, we want to hear from you. So dial in or text the Apple Circle hotline. The number is 949-354-3508. We'll put it in the show notes as well. You can text that number. You can call it. It'll go to voicemail. You can leave a voicemail. Uh, anything? Thing, a thought, a question uh, about an Apple product, a rumor, anything related to, to Apple, basically, uh, we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts. So give that number uh, a uh, contact in any form that you so uh, desire, and uh, you might be featured on the next episode of the Apple Circle podcast. Uh, so Matt, we saw some very weird images kind of start to emerge. And this is like, we're in that time where we're starting to get a lot of the more concrete rumors on the upcoming iPhone of the fall, the iPhone 12. We're hearing more and more that it seems like it's going to be a little bit delayed uh, by a couple weeks, a month or so, which isn't any big surprise due to everything going on in the world. But we also started to see some images some really crude images of the reported iPhone 13. Can you just describe what these images are and why they are so weird? So to start off why they're so weird, I I just don't really understand why this is being reported on. I think it's kind of gives us a state of the tech uh, news cycle right now. There's really not much to talk about. So like even this is news. But I mean, it comes from Mako Takara, which has had many leaks in the past that turned out to be, you know, pretty reputable. So I, I guess that lends some credibility to, towards it. But um, besides that, what we're actually looking at here, it's not any kind of uh, actual product. It's just a kind of plastic model of what apparently this is going to look like or be. So the kind of the main things here, it's a 5.5 inch, but big thing, there's no notch. So that's something that has been kind of rumored for a long time is that Apple would finally get rid of that notch, either put all the face ID stuff underneath the display or kind of work it into the bezels, that top thin bezel. Um, so that apparently is happening here. Another interesting thing is it apparently has a USB-C port. Now there's all this talk about whether or not Apple is going to go USB-C, they're obviously not going to do it with the iPhone 12, but at some point, are they going to go USB-C or are they just going to hold out and then eventually come out with this portless phone? According to this, they're going to go USB-C. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, there's also uh, a, a little bit of a different camera setup on here. Really, there's not. There's really not too much here. <laughs> here. It kind of opens up a a conversation of what we would want from this future phone. Like, what do we want from the next iPhone? Like, even though we're, of course, still waiting for the iPhone 12 and that's going to be a big refresh, you know, what would we see from the next version? There's a few things before we kind of get into that discussion that I just thought of as I was talking about this. So if this is the 2021 iPhone, that's kind of weird because Apple always follows some sort of we do a design refresh and we use that design for the next year. So how would this be the 2021 iPhone if it's going to be coming next year and they're just going to be refresh? The logistics of this don't make any sense, but still, it's cool to talk about nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a very cool update to the iPhone. But like you said, there are a couple of like weird like if you know Apple, you know, this probably isn't going to be the case. 
Uh, usually, you know, if all the rumors are correct for this year, this is going to be the year of a design overhaul, uh, a big refresh. We're going to see a lot of big changes we haven't seen in the previous years. It would not make a lot of sense uh, for Apple to do this huge overhaul and then the next year just kind of scrap it for something else. Uh, this would have made a lot more sense had it come out like three months ago and this was going to be about the iPhone 12, the upcoming iPhone. Like, okay, that would make a little bit more sense. Like, that's why the notch had remained uh, around for a while, a little longer than many probably would have uh, liked to see it uh, remain on the phone. Uh, but nonetheless, this just kind of seems a little out there for the next iPhone. But it does raise a couple of interesting points. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to say, you know, you look at these images and it, I was looking through these and it almost looks like it was like carved out of like soap. It just like looks <laughs> yeah, really weird. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. But I will say for a little bit of a, a different perspective, we have both been in a situation where we have actually gotten to have hands-on time with these. They're not prototypes. They're like, um, I don't even know what the word would be. Like, they're like, they're uh, like think they're of like for live mock-up. It's like a physical, what would you call it? I don't, I don't know. I would call it a mock-up, but basically what they're a for. A dummy unit. It, dummy unit. There you go. You called it. The, the basic idea with them is that for people who make accessories and things that actually need a iPhone physical model, they can get these and actually design like their new iPhone case so that right when the iPhone mm -hmm. is announced, they're very close to being able to have a case for it because everyone wants a case and having that available immediately once the phone is out means they'll buy their case because it's probably the only one that they can get if, you know, everyone's on top of it. So they exist and um it's not a weird thing that these models exist because like you said we've had them pretty much for every generation of phone not just iPhones but you know Samsung phones uh Pixel phones like that kind of stuff they're always kind of pop up actually not Pixel phones because we usually just get the real phone for <laughs> Pixel phone yeah. uh, <laughs> um but yeah so like like this isn't a weird thing to have a model like this what's weird is just how early it is well, I guess if you think about it, too, that's always something that no one ever talks about. Like, have you ever wondered how all these case manufacturers, like the day of the keynote, they already start selling cases? Typically, yeah. it happens through stuff like this. And like, I will say, I'm trying to remember some of the dummy units we've had access to. They've been pretty spot on from what I can yep. remember. Like, there wasn't a lot left to the imagination. Obviously, like, it doesn't work. Like, there's a sticker like this on the front of it uh, that's not really supposed to give you any info or detail. It's not like a leak of, like, software. It's just, like, the proportions. And I think that we've tested it in, like, the pre-release uh, iPhone dummy unit in the pre-release cases are always like 99% good. Yep. So that's kind of an interesting little tidbit there. The, um, uh, the last <laughs> one that I can remember that we got that was perfect was the iPhone 10. And I mean, right. the, the phones, the phones haven't really changed since then. So, <laughs> you know, that's why, but that, that dummy model that we had was absolutely perfect. Like it looked exactly the same. If every dimension was perfect, pretty impressive. We've had plastic ones. We've seen like aluminum CNC'd ones. Like they're just super cool to see. But on this, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I think that obviously this is, I mean, come on. It's like the dream iPhone everybody wants. No notch, uh, USB-C, uh, edge edge display. Great. Uh, but do I think this is going to be the 13? No. Do I think it's going to be the 14? Mm, a better shot of that, but maybe even not that. When do you think, Matt, realistically, knowing Apple's timeline? Because... Let's be honest, 
iPhone 12, that thing's in production. They've already probably got, uh, even, um, you know, you're looking at sources like Mark Gurman, uh, who has an excellent track record of this. You know, according to him, like Apple, as the new iPhone is in production or nearest production, so as the iPhone 12 nears production, the iPhone 13, this rumored phone, the design of it is probably already like locked down. If not, it's in the final stages. Usually Apple is working a couple of years ahead on these devices. So as the 12 is going to enter production, the 13 is getting its design finalized, and then the 14 is probably in some stage of development. So even with that being said, where do you think on Apple's timeline we'd see a phone like this? Is it next year? Is it two years from now? Where do you think this notchless, portless, dummy model iPhone, when do you think this actually would become reality? You know, I'm, the more I think about it, right, like as, as I'm kind of reading this, these rumors and everything of what this is, it's possible that this will actually or could come out next year Kind of. I, I don't think so. Personally, I, I don't. But here's here's why I think it's at least possible. So the dummy model that we're looking at is the iPhone 13, right? So the iPhone 10R became the iPhone 11, is becoming the iPhone 12. What's to say it wouldn't change again, become the iPhone 13? Because the 10R was a completely design, uh, different design from the 11. The 12 is going to be a different design from the 12 or from the 11. And then it could just, you know, they could follow that trend and make it a different phone. Uh, and even though the pro models, the more high end models didn't change the 12, the lower end models actually did change. So I don't think that really, I don't think that's going to really affect anything, but it could possibly happen. Um, but realistically, let's say uh, for what I actually think, I think this could be just going back, just like you said, going back on Apple's track record, this is a phone that's coming in the next three years, probably because, the iPhone 6 came out, right? So then we got the iPhone 6S, then we had the iPhone 7, and then we got the iPhone 10. So that was a three-year period there. And, okay, that was that was a new thing at the time for Apple. They had never done a three-year cycle. But now we have the iPhone 10, the iPhone XS, and the iPhone 11. And now we're getting the new iPhone 12 cycle. So unless something drastically changes, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue on. And the one thing that Apple has never done is do, well, actually, not never, but very rarely, like only once ever done is completely change the design year over year. The only time they did that was with the iPhone first iPhone to the iPhone 3G. Since then, they've always yeah, carried over the design. That's exactly the point I was going to make. And Apple is very conscious on this. Not only does it make sense because, okay, they're going to spend all this time re-engineering the design. They have to redo the manufacturing process for this phone. Like, there's a lot that goes into this. Why would they do a total overhaul one year and then the next year have to redo all those processes? It just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and like you said, we haven't really seen some big, huge leap like that since the original iPhone to the iPhone 3G. And even that, I don't know if you could call that's that an upgrade, a go to a plastic back and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I don't worse know. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So I, I just, I cannot see this being uh, the 13. Can I see it in the future? Yeah. I, I don't know. If the notch gets smaller on this year's phone, I can't see it going away for at least another two years. So maybe this is the iPhone 14. Maybe this is the 2022 iPhone. That would make a little bit more sense uh, because as we know, Apple is not fast to adopt any new 
crazy technology. And we know that this under display camera system, um, biometric stuff, it exists, but it's kind of, I think it's fair to say in more of the early stages, I think in two years that hardware will be a lot more matured and I could definitely see Apple jumping on that. Portless though is a different thing. USB-C versus portless. I'm in the camp that, I don't know, you know, we had talked about this before with the smart connector. There's just, there's a part of me that just would honestly be concerned having a phone that only relied on wireless charging uh, just because I would be afraid if I was in a situation where I just, my phone battery was dead, I needed to get a charge, I needed to charge fast and make a call. Not having the option to do that makes me a little nervous. Uh, but I'm sure 95% of the time I'd be fine because typically I always just wirelessly charge my phone anyways. But what camp are you in, Matt? Are you, if you had the option, portless or USB-C? I guess for me, the, uh, the question I have is what is the reason for portless? Like, Apple obviously is working towards this. It's something they want, but why? Like, what, what are we going to get for it? Because in the time being, like, give me USB-C because literally everything I own is USB-C uh, besides my iPhone. So actually, besides my iPhone and my AirPods, but I charge my AirPods wirelessly, so I don't really care. Give me USB-C in the time being. Now, it's an interesting argument because, okay, let's say Apple really is going to go portless in two, three years then I see just keep lightning around until then and then we'll make that switch because nobody really is going to care if they keep lightning like yeah for us like we were going to be kind of complaining about it like oh I wish I could have USB-C so I have that one cable but in the general public nobody really cares because they already have those cables they already have them uh, now once they go over to fully portless uh the way that we've been seeing it is not exactly like cableless you're still gonna have a cable that kind of magnetically uh what's it called mag safes onto the side which is mm-hmm. an interesting idea like i don't know why i never thought of that before whenever i heard portless i always just assumed like oh you're only going to be able to charge wirelessly like on a wireless charging pad which that would kind of suck like you said like the the speed of being able to use a cable is just not there with wireless charging yet now, I, would, I don't think it's there with that little MagSafe connector either. Um, so you're still going to have a cable. You can still plug it in when you're in the car, like that kind of stuff. I, I could. That's still going to be a possibility. But imagine if next year, well, not next year, let's say, yeah, whatever. Let's 20, 2021, they release a phone with USB-C. And then 2025, they release a phone with, that's completely portless. That's two transitions that people are going to get mad over because remember when they switched from 30 pin to lightning lightning was a way there was a way better port in almost every single way from there was no usb-c at the time like all those arguments didn't really exist going to micro usb that that would have been a bad idea like micro usb sucks Mm -hmm. (laughs) so lightning was a better port in pretty much every single way from 30 pin but people were mad they were pissed off about it (laughs) like that that dominated um that dominated a lot of the news cycles for a while. Now, of course, everyone's used to it, so no one cares. But if they did that with USB-C, I don't think quite as many people would be mad, but the general public would be, I think, a little mad that they would have to suddenly switch all of their cables because unlike you and me, I don't think everyone has a ton of USB-C cables lying all over the place. Like, we have Android phones, we have MacBooks that have USB-C. Like, yes, I think in the general public, USB-C is a thing, but it's not quite as much of a thing as it is for you and me. So having to switch all over your iPhone cables and probably your iPad cables too, that would just be annoying, right? So then having to do that again in three years or two years for this portless, it's just bad PR. I 
I want USB-C, but I can see them just not doing it. Yeah, that's the thing is like I I remember just all the hubbub when the transition happened to Lightning uh, and people were all upset. And like you said, like USB-C makes a lot of sense, especially for us. But then I think about, like you said, the average person, like my parents, I don't even know if they own anything USB-C. They probably don't know. They probably don't care. They do know Lightning and like they have a bunch of Lightning cables and I think it just makes sense for them to adopt that and stick with it for a while Though you do get a lot of benefits with USB-C. And, you know, maybe we could see the Pros go USB-C. That would make some sense. You know, the iPad Pro went USB-C. It would make sense for the Pro models would probably be a great first step. I mean, like you said, it's just it's way more convenient. We have all the cables. No need to go lightning. Um, that seems to make the most logical sense in my mind. Uh, before we see this kind of mass transition, especially if we go, okay, we're going to make a mass transition to USB-C, then like two or three years later, okay, now we're actually going to go portless and you're going to have to get the special Apple MagSafe cable or whatever the smart connector adapter is. It just seems to be more trouble than it's worth. So I I feel like USB-C is probably only going to be adopted on the higher end phones if I had to guess. Yeah, that's interesting because when the current iPhone 11 Pro came out, there was, of course as there always is with Apple products, uh, all this hubbub about how it's not really pro. Like, it doesn't really do anything that's pro. And I think USB-C would be one thing that would actually make people happy. Like, yes, I've been wanting USB-C. And for the people that care, it would be a reason to get the pro over the non-pro. But then at the same time, like, Apple doesn't... Well, no, actually, I was going to say Apple doesn't like to, like, split the line, but they did it with the iPad. So why wouldn't they do it with the iPhone? Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd like to see it there. Well, it's, I guess also it's like, okay, so USB-C, obviously it's great because it's it's more convenient, but I, I guess I'm trying to think of like what the use cases for that would be, like how it would make it more pro. I guess like the iPad, like if you had a USB-C uh, hub that had an SD card port on it and uh, an adapter, like it just kind of makes it a little bit easier in that sense to import pictures and plug in other devices. But I'm trying to think what would be the other pro advantages to having USB-C? I guess... Matt, uh, external storage, SD card, what yeah. else? What am I missing? Uh, just like file transfer speeds, I guess. I don't know who's doing that, but <laughs> uh, like for me personally, literally the only reason I want it is so that I don't have to have any other cables. <laughs> That's really the only That's reason true. I want it. Because because what am I doing on my phone? Like unless I'm in a weird situation. Well, I guess here here's where I would, I mean, it comes back to the same argument. It's just the same cable because there's certain times where I'm like, oh, I need to do something on my phone or I like want to import photos from an SD card or whatever. But the only SD card uh, adapter I have is USB-C. Well, I can't put it to my phone now. So it's like it's the same thing. It's just having that same connector all across the board means I can go from my MacBook Pro to my iPad Pro to my uh, iPhone Pro and I have the same cable all across. I can connect and use the same accessories with everything. How much? How often am I going to do it with my phone? Not that often, but it's for those situations where you might that it just comes in handy, so I don't have to carry a second set of everything. Man, I do think it might also like even give a little bit more competition because obviously, I mean, everybody's making lightning cables. Apple makes theirs, which are great, and you probably get them out of the box, but no one's, I don't think, really going to the Apple store to buy lightning cables. You buy them off Amazon. Uh, you know, you make this switch over to USB-C. I feel like you'd have even more competition in that space, which is better because you can get, you know, you can use the USB-C cable that came in the box of your headphones to charge your iPhone, or you can use uh, whatever cable you got with another product that's USB-C as long as it works. Even the fast chargers too, which is kind of cool. It would be nice to see that little bit of uh 
increase of competition, like USB-C is becoming a lot more widely adopted by other manufacturers. The cables are everywhere to be purchased. I mean, that would be nice in a sense. I guess it would be more convenient. And I, 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 I could see it. The more that that argument is made and the more I think about it, I could definitely see it being reserved as, okay, you want a pro level feature that only the pro devices get? iPad Pro, Oh, actually, it also makes sense, too, because you think about the iPad Pro in 2020, that has LiDAR. The phones will have LiDAR. It seems like ProMotion, they're getting closer and closer together. So maybe it does make sense that iPad Pro, iPhone Pro, those have USB-C. Yeah, no, it's it makes sense. I don't think Ap- Apple's not doing it for the iPhone 12, but uh, I, maybe that could be the re- one of the things for the 12S that's different is that it has USB-C finally. It'd be interesting. Right. So I, I guess besides this phone, since this phone has so many things about it that are probably not going to happen for the 2021 iPhone, what are some things that you would like to see just in your kind of dream phone? I know we talk about this all the time, software-wise. For me, software-wise, I really don't know what I would want. <laughs> but hardware-wise, I think there might be a few things that as a dream phone could be interesting. Do you have any of those? I think that obviously everybody's you know first pick, uh, edge-to-edge dis- uh, display, no notch would be great. I'd love to see, if possible, some like faster wireless charging because that's how I typically charge my phones. That'd be kind of nice. Um, man, I I still think the ProMotion would be cool, whether or not it makes a big difference. I mean, you know, is to be seen. I guess it kind of depends on the opinion, but that would be cool. Um, I don't know better cameras. I mean, what's so hard about this is that the iPhone 12 is shaping up to be such a big update that it's basically going to give at least for me everything I could think of in like my okay dream iPhone. What I want. It sounds like the 12 is going to check a lot of those boxes. But what about you? What what uh, do you want to see in this this dream iPhone? Yeah, I think the notchless would be interesting because it would just it's like you know when you watch like Westworld or something and. Have you seen Westworld? I've seen a couple episodes of season one, so I get the get the idea. Get the idea. Well, you know how they have they have the tablets there, and they kind of fold up yeah. into like a phone, like yeah. how they're basically just like a piece of paper, <laughs> like a like a a rigid piece of paper in thinness and bezels and everything. Like that's what I want. So getting rid of the notch is like the step towards that. Uh, I would actually love I, this is like really in the future. Eh, well, maybe not really that far in the future, but like pretty far in the future. I would love in iPad mini foldable slash iPhone. That's kind of my dream because I've been using the, um, what's it called? The, I don't know why I can't remember that. The Galaxy Fold. Fold? <laughs> that was a hard one to remember. <laughs> I've been using the Galaxy Fold as my main device and I love it except for Samsung software. I cannot stand Samsung software. It's not an Android problem. It's Samsung problem because when I was using the Pixel, I love it. Samsung software really is bad. Uh, so if I could get that hardware running iOS, okay, now we got a different story here and it's obviously possible from Samsung, like from Samsung, they can do it. So it's not, that it would be impossible for Apple to make this device. So that's what I want overall, because having the screen real estate when you need it, and then being able to fold it up and put it in your phone in your pocket is something I really like. Now, besides that, uh, you you know, the faster wireless charging is interesting because we haven't seen that much innovation on that front until OnePlus. They actually released their wireless charger, which uses Qi, and that just does it at the, like, slow 5 watts or whatever. But they have their own, like, proprietary system where you have to actually use their charger, and they call it warp wireless charging or something like that. 
basically it's really fast and I can confirm it is really fast. I started it from zero and it charged all the way to 50% in what felt like the normal time I would have if I plugged it into a charger, you know, with the cable. I was really impressed with their 5G or not 5G. <laughs> I was impressed with their wireless charger. And uh, that is something just in general, like I think we need that and battery life. We need more innovations on that front. Battery life tech has just not moved at all. Hopefully, like with Tesla, we see some because, uh, you know, they're really invested in that. Hopefully we see some innovations there that can trickle down to smartphones and more, you know, consumer tech. Uh, that's a good point, because I will drop and things on my desk. I will say that I haven't the battery life in the iPhone is not bad by any means, but I do feel like lately I've noticed that. I don't know, maybe it's just me, like the 11 Pro battery is not like it used to be. I, I guess I just, I never used to worry about battery. And now I find that it's not dead by the end of the day, but it certainly seems to drain faster than I noticed it had been draining before. This could be completely unrelated. It could just be a placebo thing that I'm just noticing it more. I mean, there's no way this phone after eight months is now having battery issues, but it would just be nice to get to that point where either the A whatever chip is so efficient or the milliamp hour um, capacity increases enough that like battery just isn't a thing. Like you can go two days without even thinking about it. Right now, like one day is like the gold standard. Like, hey, it can get through a day with heavy use, put on the charger the next day, uh, you know, top off, use a fast charger, it's fine. To have uh, some more advancement in that area, to have a you know, like I said, more efficient processor, bigger battery to have that not be an issue would be super nice to see. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is a completely off topic, but we were filming one of our videos and I was just looking at because we got those new batteries in the V mount batteries. And for everyone listening, V mount batteries are like what you use in the kind of film industry. They're huge batteries that have a V mount literally on the back. It's shaped like a V and it kind of locks into your camera and to your monitor and all these kind of accessories. It's kind of like a standard battery across the industry. Anyway, they're huge. Um, but I was looking at the milliamp hours and it's only 6,000 milliamp hours for the ones we have. I was like, you know, that's kind of a testament to how energy efficient these phones are because we have like a, what, roughly 4,000 milliamp hour battery. So it's not mm -hmm. that much smaller. And for those V-mount batteries that are heavy and they're big and they're bulky, yep. we can run our camera for maybe one shoot, like half an hour, 45 yeah. minutes, and they're dead. So it's kind of a, you know, impressive how energy efficient these phones are. So either, like you said, raising the milliamp hours with that efficiency can get us, you know, really far. But of course, you have, you know, space concerns and everything with that or, you know, working with the battery tech itself to make those milliamp hours fit in a smaller amount of space. You know, that, that well, there's there's a lot of promise there. What's tough, too, is you you have on one side, you have people who want better battery and make it more efficient, uh, make this draw less power, you know, make it last longer. But then you have the other crowd. It's like, well, I'd like 5G and I'd like this and I'd like yeah, promotion. Exactly. It's like you kind of have two different almost like two conflicting things because on one hand, this phone, if you kept it as it is and Apple continue to like carve out more space for battery and made the processor more efficient, it could probably get better. But then you add things like 5G and ProMotion, two of the probably worst things you could possibly do for battery, uh, which I'm super curious to see uh, how they address that because 
I don't know. We had heard people say, well, maybe they're not, they're not going to be on by default. You know, you have companies like Samsung and I think even one, well, Samsung for sure, uh, that they don't turn on the high refresh rate out of the box because it's a battery killer. Even on the S20 Ultra, which has a massive 5,000 million hour battery, it's off by default because it just, it's going to kill battery. So I think that that's a people were kind of speculating that Apple would kind of follow the same thing, that they'd have it off by default, which just kind of seems very weird and un-Apple-like. So I'm really curious to see how they tackle that. But I do think, you know, you make a great point. It's so crazy to see how small and efficient these phones are and how far we have come. But at the same time, I am a little concerned that, uh, you know, the push for uh, better technology inside phones and better features is going to hurt battery. Though it is, is nice to see, I will give Apple credit, we're not trying to be the thinnest and lightest anymore. I feel like no one's really going for that prize anymore. It's all about, okay, we'll give you more battery life. The phone will be a little thicker and heavier, which is fine. Uh, give me more battery so I can uh, have enough energy to run my phone plus all these new features for a decent amount of time. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully it just evens out and we kind of stay where we are because we're in a pretty good spot right now. Like You can easily get through a day with you know pretty heavy use if you care and you actually pay attention you can go you can go a day and a half pretty easily uh so if we kind of stay there and they work on the efficiencies and they work on the actual milliamp hours but also give us those new features hopefully we stay in kind of this middle ground but you mentioned something 5g you know we've kind of uh ragged on 5g because why like <laughs> i still just don't understand why but we had we have kind of tested sub six which is the kind of baby 5g and kind of Let's just think of it as a better LTE. It's not really, it's, it's a different technology, but it's not, it's not like you're not getting the crazy fast speeds that you think of when you get 5G. You actually had the opportunity to test the real quote unquote 5G millimeter wave. And I, I wasn't there when you did it. How was that experience? Because we're apparently getting 5G in these phones, uh, whether or not it's going to be just sub six or whether or not it's going to be millimeter wave and sub six. We don't know that quite yet, but 5G is coming. What is your experience with actually using 5G? That is a great question, Matt. And you know what? Before I get into that, I'd like to do... I was talking about before the show. I said I had something I wanted to bring up that I cannot remember what it was. And now this is a perfect segue because it's exactly what I now remember that I wanted to complain about on the show. So to give a little context, my complaint about Apple Maps, because as I was doing uh, this 5G shoot, it was something for the John Rettinger uh, channel, I had to go to LA and to give a little context for even more on 5G, you know, 5G is slowly rolling out. It's kind of different, um, infrastructures for different carriers that have a different places. I think like in Orange County here in Southern California, there is some form of 5G from T-Mobile, but there's nothing from Verizon. So we were testing with a OnePlus 8 on Verizon. So I went to Marina Del Rey, which is kind of the, the closest, uh, driving wise uh, in distance and time from Orange County, uh, the closest place to test this 5G. And I had to run around and I had to get a 5G plan and a 5G SIM. And that's a long story for another day. But I just wanted to say that I made the fatal mistake of using Apple Maps because I was trying to find a Verizon store and there were a bunch that were closed and some were open just because of the whole pandemic and some of these stores weren't open. So I made the mistake and I typed in Verizon store to Apple Maps and I drove about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to a Verizon store near me. And I get there and it's like really weird because there's a very tiny, this is like I'm now more inwards in LA. It's a very tiny parking garage. It's like this weird multi-level shop, um, shopping center kind of thing. And I'm going up and down. I'm looking for the Verizon store. I'm looking for the Verizon store. 
Long story short, for whatever reason, I don't know how long ago, the Verizon store had moved. There was no Verizon store there. And if you look at on, on Google Maps, sure enough, there is no Verizon store that exists at that location. But for some reason, Apple Maps still said it was a Verizon store. It was had hours. It was there and had a phone number. And of course, you call that phone number and they said the store moved. And that was a bunch of time I wasted because I made the mistake of trusting Apple Maps. So sorry about the <laughs> tangent. All that to say... I still don't like it using Apple Maps for that exact reason that I don't understand how in 2020 in Los Angeles of all places it could get something like that wrong. Anyways, uh, the 5G test was very interesting. So I, I went to this park in Marina del Rey that had 5G and you have to go on the Verizon website and like see like exactly where it is because the it doesn't cover a lot with this millimeter wave. Um, it, it's not a... It does, the distance is not very far. You kind of have to be really close to where this kind of micro tower is. So I went to this park and if you look up at the light pole, you can see these like really weird like uh, cylinders and dishes and like little uh, poles coming out. Like you can tell, okay, there's like some kind of radio transmission equipment there that was uh, the 5G technology. And I will say that if you are like right under it and you don't move and you run a speed test... It was fairly good. It was interesting because when I first had a couple of tests, it was kind of slow. Like it was like 400, 300. I wasn't super impressed. But then I moved a little bit to one side and then, okay, it was 1,000. It was 1,500. I think the best I saw was like 2,000 megabits per second, which was crazy to see. But to achieve those speeds, you had to stay very close to this tower. It's directly line of sight. So you had to not have anything obstructing your... Uh, path from the phone to the tower. You had to get the angle just right. You couldn't move. And I still don't know what you can really do with 5G besides just run some speed tests and download some stuff. The biggest issue is the upload is not very good, which if you're a content creator or you like to send videos or whatever, like I feel like the upload's a little bit more important these days than the download. But with that besides the point, it was cool to see it actually work in person, but it was so unreliable and it was so flimsy and you had to be just in the right spot and not move. I just don't see why everybody is going gaga over 5G because it sounds cool, but to use it in real life is not some kind of perfect scenario. It's a lot tougher than you'd think. Right, yeah. That's why I think if if Apple is putting 5G, which seems like they're going to, I can't see them doing the millimeter wave because... The sub six is fairly stable, right? Like that's that you don't have. That's the one that you can use while walking around and basically treat it as if it's LTE. And like you said, mm -hmm. T-Mobile has that turned on here, so you can pretty much have that everywhere in Orange County almost. But you're not getting crazy speed, so it's like, it's, I, I guess it's a future-proof thing from Apple's perspective. Like people are keeping these phones for longer, so let's just give them this feature because at some point it's going to be better. That's the only reason I can see them doing it because like you said, millimeter wave is just not there. I don't get, I just don't get it why people care so much. I guess in a sense, like if Apple released millimeter wave on their phone and suddenly tons of customers are like, why does this not work? Then it would kind of kick everyone's butt into action and actually make this a lot better, a lot faster. But does Apple care about that? I don't think so. Um, Maybe Apple has some plan that like they need 5G technology for something that they're working on in the future. Like maybe these AR glasses are going to need some kind of 5G tech that they really need to get pushed out. So uh, they want to, you know, kind of push that front as fast as possible. Like there's reasons why they might be doing it. It's just for today. It just doesn't make much sense to me. 
Matt, those are two excellent points that I had not thought about. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the Apple glasses thing. But the one before that, I think that there is a point to be made that if Apple does something, other people listen up and take action. And as more and more people got iPhones with 3G and even LTE, the carriers had to boost their infrastructure to meet the demand from customers and kind of you know, if they had spotty service and now you had all these people with iPhones, uh, you definitely were going to hear people and customers complaining that this was just not correct. So I think that this might be almost a little bit of a boost for 5G to show, hey, you know, Apple's going to support it. Apple's committed to it. It's time for the carriers to get their act together and really make this happen. But I think that there might be even more to the idea of using 5G not for data, but for the um, the frequencies and the bandwidth that it is able to use uh, at that certain frequency. So basically, very short breakdown, millimeter wave and sub six, they're like different frequencies that um, you're able to, I guess, receive data being broadcasted on. Uh, millimeter wave has the ability to do, I think, four gigabits a second uh, as like the top tier, like what it's capable of in the future. Right now, it's capable of two gigabits per second, I believe. So basically, it's you have these radio frequencies that are able to transmit a whole lot of data, much more than LTE, on these higher frequencies that are not being used, uh, faster, bigger pipes, less latency. Like 5G, if you put the the data side to the side, I guess, you're able to do a lot with all of this new uh, transmit data. Like you're able to push a lot more data back and forth. You're able to use uh, things a lot with a lot less latency. You, This might be perfect. Uh, this might make perfect sense for the Apple glasses or other Apple accessories that maybe they don't need 5G for the data for your phone, but they do need the 5G uh, technology for other accessories that will use these as kind of, you know, instead of using Bluetooth or, you know, kind of being reliant on the limitations and the bandwidth limitations of Bluetooth, they're going to use 5G as the way to kind of connect these devices together and communicate back and forth to your phone. That is the best argument I've ever heard for 5G on the iPhone 12. And that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, they're Apparently, you know, they bought the Intel modem division, so they're working on their own modems. What a better reason to have their own modems that can that can support these different devices that Apple's making. You know, they love that vertical integration, so it can work at the best possible way. Maybe it's not just for, like, I'm sure it will also support 5G for Verizon and AT&T and all that. But what if it's also in addition to just so you have the best connection for all these accessories? That, I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily why, but it'd be interesting. I mean, like, I wonder if, you know, we're, maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way. Maybe Apple is not going to use Intel's, well, okay, of course, they're probably going to use this Intel cell modem division to produce 5G chips for iPhones that are, like, capable of using networks 5G. But what if we're going to see a new chip from Apple that is, you know, we have the M coprocessors and the Apple Watch chips. What if we see this custom, like, Apple chip that is this 5G chip that is in different devices. It's in the Apple Glasses. Maybe it's in the Apple Watch. It's like in all the new Apple devices. And it's just responsible for this like ultra high bandwidth, low uh, latency communication back and forth between devices. That'd actually be kind of cool to have this new Apple chipset that would like unlock 
this new level of uh, features almost between different Apple devices. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, that's always been the limitation. Like, we've talked about it many times, the Apple Watch. What is so annoying about the Apple Watch? Whenever you have to do anything related to data transfer, so reset, update, all that kind of stuff is just such a pain. So imagine if it was super high bandwidth, super fast, it just would make all that easier. And then things like HomeKit support, like that would be great for HomeKit support. Like if you have all these little 5G chips supported, oh, this, this you get that little label, works with HomeKit. And that's part of the way that it works with HomeKit. You know, there, there's interesting ideas behind that just for the, maybe it's not even 5G, but just them having that ability to make those kind of chips would be interesting because like you said we've seen it with the h1 chip for airpods we have the u1 chip for this uh what's it called the uh locality like knowing where everything is around you we have the uh well we had the w1 in the airpods before we have the s1 in the watch like there's all these different chips that apple is making uh but being able to use it for specific data transfer could be something very different that actually since you said that, that actually makes a whole lot of sense on why Apple would do this. Because if you do think about it, like assuming the rumors are correct and we see these Apple glasses next year or even the year after, it would make sense for all these Apple devices to have 5G so they'd be compatible. So, hey, these Apple glasses, they're compatible with your iPhone 12 and iPhone 13 and iPhone right. 14. Like it, it would definitely leave room for that compatibility so people aren't left out and can't experience it because they don't have 5G. And if you start the 5G rollout a little early, you'd kind of just uh, make that compatibility uh, with future Apple devices even wider. More devices would be compatible. It'd be kind of a win-win for everybody. So that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Maybe I, I've just been thinking about this wrong and I've been so focused on the, the carriers and the data aspects of it. Maybe this is actually the real reason this makes so much sense. Yeah, especially for Apple Glasses because, you know, for all these kind of AR, VR type things, the one thing that you don't want, 100% don't want, is latency. And we've heard the rumors that these are not going to be an independent product. They are going to get all the processing power from the iPhone. So are we going to be connecting this with a cable? Are we going to be connecting with this over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth? Like, obviously, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth works, but we've seen just with AirDrop, which uses that same tech, it obviously doesn't work all the time. So we need something that's much more stable, much more secure and actually fast and doesn't have that latency. No, no, no now I'm, I'm honestly excited about this. Now, I think it actually makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, it's cool to see Apple develop these chips. It, I'm still kind of waiting for what this U1 chip ever turns into because yeah. I feel like it's obviously it's about directional uh, communication. It seems like it was made for these AirTags, which still makes sense. And yeah, we're still probably going to and see. But whenever we're going to see this. We'll, <laughs> yeah, right now it was like kind of weird to see that launched in a phone and basically has not really been used for anything besides AirDrop. Obviously, there's more to that because Apple would not waste the money and the R&D and the time on creating a new piece of silicon just for AirDrop. So maybe this is like the bigger piece to the puzzle that's ever growing that maybe these Apple glasses is really going to use the U1 and it's going to use uh, the 5G chips. And maybe there's just more to this that we don't see right now. So That'd be interesting, That'd but be interesting. I, I do think yeah. it's it's weird that we have this U1 chip that basically does nothing right now, even like a year <laughs> later almost. I know. Like what it does for the airdrop is cool, but it's, yeah, it doesn't justify it being there. So there's obviously a plan for it. Just what is it? I don't know. Well, I am now a little bit more excited about the iPhone 12 and iPhone 13 than I was before we started 
uh, the show. Matt, anything else before we wrap up? I know we kind of hit the big stuff for the week. There wasn't a whole lot of other Apple news. I mean, there was some rumors that Apple would be bundling uh, all their services in a bundle you could purchase for one monthly price. Do you care at all about that? I mean, I don't know if there's really. Uh, anything I don't really to say care. About it, that. Yeah, there's not really much, not too much to say, but it makes sense from Apple's perspective because there's I don't think that many people that are subscribing to each individually, especially like News Plus. So just bundling it, I would actually be much more inclined to bundle with it if I could get Apple TV Plus, and then I also get News Plus. Well, I'd probably actually use News Plus at that point. So it makes sense from Apple's perspective. Like they should definitely do it. That's one thing that we were actually expecting them to announce when they first announced all of this stuff, but they never did. So. It makes sense to me. What Apple services do you currently subscribe to? Uh, all of them except for News Plus and Game Center, or whatever it's called, <laughs> Arcade Plus. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I, I the only thing I pay for right now because Apple TV Plus is still on the year trial. I don't have Apple Music. I have uh, like an iCloud storage plan. I think I pay like three bucks a month yeah, for. Yeah, I have that too. But that's about it. So I don't know if I would be. Uh, I, maybe when my Apple TV Plus trial ends and i'm gonna like renew it for like five bucks a month but like well well for seven bucks you can get all this and bundle and roll it all in together and oh if you use right. your apple card by the way you get like you know 30 percent back or whatever okay maybe that would make a little bit more sense but it definitely makes sense that they would want to boost some of these numbers a bit so if they do get people kind of all uh into uh into this system they can kind of boost all the numbers for tv plus and news plus so that does make a little bit of sense uh but I don't know. Any Anything else, Matt, you saw this week that piqued your Apple interest? No, I think we'll... I mean, there was a few other things, but we'll save them for next week because who knows what uh, kind of news we're going to have next week. Um, but I guess, you know, just a little bit more housekeeping here at the end. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you, again, have those questions, that phone number is down in the... Uh, I guess not down, but wherever these show notes are, they are uh, there. So you can go... You know, get that phone number, send us a text, send us a voicemail, get in contact, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. If you want to get in contact, we will answer your questions. Um, and also, go over to wherever you listen to this podcast. Give us a good rating, five stars. Give us a review. That always helps get new listeners. And, you know, of course, we appreciate all the feedback, whether it's good or bad. You know, we'd love to get better and learn. And uh, just most of all, we just appreciate everyone who listens. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all the the comments, the tweets, uh, the ratings, everything. We just we have a blast doing this, and hope we can provide you as uh, much value and entertainment as we possibly can for about forty five minutes to an hour every week. Uh, but we appreciate it as always, and uh, we will see you guys next week for another episode of the Apple Circle Podcast. <laughs>